Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast, right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Thank you very much indeed, as always, for being here. Hope all is good with you and yours, wherever you are in the world. Now, it's been World Cup, World Cup, World Cup all the way for the last couple of weeks because the World Cup has been on. And there hasn't been any Arsenal. But today, Thursday, at the time of recording, there has been some Arsenal. The players and the manager and the staff and all the other important people who help keep things ticking are in Dubai for the Dubai Super Duper Cup. And we played Leon, beat them 3-0. Some nice football in the first half. One of the worst penalty shootouts you will ever see at the end. Even though we won 3-0, there's a penalty shootout at the end of every game so teams can get a bonus point and the team that gets the most points will lift the prestigious Dubai Super Duper Cup. And uh, as much as I might scoff, these games are actually kind of important because never before has there been a break in the middle of a season for a World Cup. We don't know how players are going to react. We need them to be match fit. And basically, this is pre-season two, the re-seasoning. Getting minutes into legs again, perhaps building up the confidence of some players who, depending on what happens in the rest of this World Cup, might be needed when the Premier League kicks off again on December 26th. So, in the grand scheme of things, not hugely important, but they do play a big part in in what we've got to come. And what we've got to come in the next five, six months is a, a hell of a lot of football. And there are some implications, of course, after the injury to Gabriel Jesus. He had knee surgery this week. What does that mean for Arsenal in the January market? What will we do? What should we do? What could we do? Lots of questions. Do we have the answers? I don't quite know. But with me to, uh, to thrash it all out is Lewis Ambrose. Hello, Lewis. Hello, Andrew. It's been a while. It has been a while. It has been a while. Normally, we talk very frequently because we do all the preview podcasts for Patreon for the uh, Premier League games. And, of course, there haven't been any Premier League games. Um, we did have some Arsenal football today, though. So that was something. Uh, a game against Leon in the Dubai Super Cup. A 3-0 win for Arsenal. Um, we're recording not long after that. I don't know how much we need to really go into the nuts and bolts of this because, you know, I thought we were quite good in the first half. I thought Leon were pretty bad in the first half and then also pretty bad in, in the second half. Well, I don't want to take anything away from our, our valiant youngsters who came on and did pretty well, it has to be said, against a team of much more experienced guys. But 
some interesting bits and bobs from this uh, from this game against Leon. Not least, I suppose, the fact that the kind of football that we played at times, without some of what you might call the key men in this Arsenal side, was was pretty impressive. You know, with the caveat that Leon were, were crap and everything else. But I thought that you know we moved the ball quickly, we were decisive at key moments, and for a team that hasn't played for X amount of time, that was that was nice to see. Yeah, there was was there half a uh, forty five minutes for most of these players in a behind mm. closed doors friendly a week ago or so. Uh, yeah, I thought there was a lot of quite pleasant football, especially like you say in that first half. And it was something we talked about during the. I was going to say during the season, as if we're not in the middle of the season, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah. When when games were actually going on uh, with the Europa League group stage, and quite often it felt like some of those performances were a little disjointed. And like something wasn't quite right with the team when, when too many parts had been changed. Really. Mm. And here you had, no, not not really an Arsenal first team. Obviously at the back, William Saliba and isn't there. Uh, ben White's not there. And Zinchenko isn't fit, presumably, yeah. um, because he, he wasn't involved. Um, you, you didn't have Xhaka or Partey in midfield and the entire front three was different to our first choice front three. But we did see everything sort of click and, and those players play really well that, that came in. So it was sort of more that Europa League 11, but there were moments when everything looked a bit more Premier League-y, if that's the right way of putting it. Yeah, and I guess that kind of augurs well for when football returns because, you know, we'll come to this, I guess, in, in a few minutes' time when we talk about some of the players who are who are going to be coming back and we don't quite know what, what shape they're going to be in physically and mentally and, and everything else. Um, so... You're looking for these guys to show what they can do, and these games are are a warm up. Obviously, it's uh, it's sort of like a second preseason, if you like, and a goal from Eddie and Kedia, uh, an assist for Martin Odegaard, a goal for Gabriel. You know, taking out his World Cup frustration on all the three people who are watching. <laughs> uh, but you know, he likes a goal, as we know from a from a set piece. Fabio Vieira with. A cracking goal, it has to be said, into the top corner. Shades of the one he scored against it was Brentford, wasn't yeah, it? Brentford, where, yeah, very yeah, similar. Yeah. Where he sort of gave the goalkeeper the eyes and then just lashed it into the into yeah. the top corner. So some nice things that I'm sure Mikel Arteta will take some comfort on, uh, or from rather, you know, because he's at this point not really sure who exactly he's got to, to choose from when we play West Ham in a few weeks' time. I mean, that'll be, with Gabriel Jesus obviously out, and then you've got Martinelli and Saka could both go very far in the World Cup. It'll be interesting to see if he completely leaves those two players out, mm. I think. Um, yeah, there's every chance. They're one game away now, right? The, it's the quarterfinals. They're one game away from uh, the semifinals, which means you're, you're sticking around in Qatar either way because you're either playing the final or you're playing the yeah. third place game the day before. I think that the third place game will be nine days before the Premier League uh, returns on Boxing Day. The obviously the final the day after, so you've got about a week, just over a week. Will he be tempted to play one of Saka or Martinelli, even if they go all that way, or will they be on the bench at, uh, for the mm. West Ham game, maybe in case we we need something? Obviously, it's reassuring to to see Fabio Vieira find the back of the net, Eddie Nketiah, Reese Nelson look quite sharp again, I thought, yeah. as well on, on the other flank. So 
we've got options and I'm sure he'll feel a lot better having seen those players all perform today and, and perform quite well. But I I have a niggling feeling that we might see somebody, at least one of them, maybe thrown back in when the Premier League returns, just with all of the, everything that is on the line and everything that's at stake. Sure. Uh, with, the, with the way the league table looks at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's possible, you know, that we could face West Ham on on the 26th if, for example, England do get beyond France uh, on Saturday and if Brazil beat Croatia, which I think is, you know, not uh, a tall order, it has to be said, you're looking, like you say, at those guys being at the World Cup all the way to the end, right to the finish, you know, third and fourth place and then the final, mm-hmm. uh, whoever gets there. If those guys come back and need a rest, if they deem those players, um, you know, in need of some kind of rest after the World Cup, you could be looking at a front line against West Ham, pretty similar to the one that we saw tonight with Eddie up front, with Reese Nelson on the left, with Fabio Vieira on the right. We don't yet know what the situation is with Emil Smith-Rowe. We don't know if he's going to play a part yeah, in, he in wasn't, these he games. Wasn't involved to, no. today, obviously. So, so was, that was a, a you know I don't I don't they've not they just don't give much information out on these injuries. But I did mm. hope that we would see Emil Smith Rowe today or, or the game against Milan that will that will be held in Dubai as well. The fact he wasn't on the bench tonight makes me wonder: is he still just working on his fitness? Yeah. And maybe we won't see him against Milan, and maybe we won't see him against Juventus at the Emirates uh, in. What is it? Ten? Uh, what's eight, nine days from now? I think mm. uh, eight days. So yeah, that's it's not long now. There's a, there aren't many opportunities to get Emil Smith Rowe back on a football pitch again before the Premier League returns. So yeah, it's. I thought he would play some part tonight, and the fact he didn't has me wondering mm. whether or not he'll be ready in time for Boxing Day. Like if at least at yeah. least from the start. If you're Mikel Arteta, as much as you want your players to do well and you want them to gain everything that comes with going far in an international tournament, there must be part of him sitting at home, <laughs> like just rooting against secretly them. hoping that Croatia pulls something out of the bag against Brazil. You know, we know on their day they're a fine team, but you know the, the, the legs are not what they were. I think it's fair to say about Croatia. France, of course, are um, you know have one of the best strikers in the world, but England have plenty of talent themselves. So he's probably sitting at home, going like looking for a Luka Modric slash Kylian Mbappe masterclass in each of those games. It means, of course, that he doesn't get William Saliba back, but by the looks of it, William Saliba is going to spend most of the World Cup on the bench. It seems mm-hmm. unless something happens and it can happen in international football, of course, which would then mean, you know, he gets Bakayo Saka back, he gets Aaron Ramsdale back, he gets Gabriel Martinelli back. I think you find it easy to sort of, you know, ease them back into action and and assuage their disappointment. Um, But, you know, it is is all still so up in the air. It must be very difficult and frustrating for managers um, to try and think, any distance ahead about what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. And we know that Arteta is a manager who does like to to plan things out as much as possible. I mean, do you think he is at this point thinking, okay, let me make some plans right now for uh, for West Ham and 
you know, if Saka is back or if Martinelli is back, I can reassess at that point. But, you know, for now, he might be thinking, I'm going to I'm gonna exclude them. And if they're there, it's it's kind of a bonus, if that makes sense. Yeah, I imagine in his head, he's got the team, barring injuries or, or any other unfortunate circumstances, mm. the team that will start in his head against West Ham on Boxing Day. Uh, or if not start, could have to start. If, yeah. if Saka, say say England win this weekend and Saka's not back until be the 19th or 20th of December. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm sure he has that image of a team in his mind. And then I would say it wouldn't be too crazy to suggest that that's the team that we started with today pretty much. Uh, throw Granit Xhaka and Thomas Partey and maybe um, possibly Ben White or, or Zinchenko as well. Mm. But especially in terms of the front three, isn't it? It's Saka and Martinelli that are the big losses really uh moving forward as you said Saliba's barely played Aaron Ramsdale has not played I kind of imagine if we need them to come back in and play on Boxing Day that won't be a problem mm. uh Martinelli's playing a bit more and and Brazil I think everybody's watching this World Cup thinking Brazil are going to go pretty far yeah uh, and like you say get past Croatia Saka he's playing all the time for England those two are the big question marks. And then I and think today you just, sometimes it's obvious, right? Today we saw a front three that didn't involve any of our regular front three. And I'm sure we'll see a lot of that same front three, Nelson, Enketia and Fabio Vieira, again in the games against uh, uh, Milan and Juventus mm. before we finally get back underway. I mean, is it a chance for them to sort of build up a kind of um, understanding, if you like, you know, because they haven't played a great deal together um, and we might need them. It might be a case that we need them in more more serious games, in particular Eddie, you know, because mm. he hasn't started in the Premier League. He had a good finish to last season and there's now, it seems, a significant burden on him and an amount of pressure on him because of the injury to Gabriel Jesus, and we'll talk about the implications of that now in, in a moment. But for Eddie, he has an opportunity, I think, to show that the contract he got was uh, was merited, that he has something to offer to this team at Premier League level beyond the bits and bobs that we saw from him uh, in the Europa League this season. You know, he hasn't really done a huge amount or had a lot of minutes in the Premier League simply because Gabriel Jesus has been he's been on um, on fire, I was going to say, but uh, that's not quite it. That's not quite what I mean, but he's so fundamental to the way that we play. He's played most of... Yeah, he's, I mean, you watch, he's been undroppable. Yeah, that's exactly what I was looking for. So for Eddie now... These games against Lyon, against AC Milan, against Juventus, they're a little bit more than a training exercise, even if he can probably feel slightly assured in his own mind that, you know, come December 26th, barring an injury, and hopefully that doesn't happen, he is the guy who's going to start that game. So to sort of get himself in the, not in the mood, that's not, quite what I'm saying, but to sort of build up his own confidence a bit, these games are actually quite important. I thought he was I thought he was good today. I thought some of the uh, the hold-up play, which is what he's going to have to try and replicate to some extent, I don't think he can do what Gabriel Jesus does, but he's going to have to do some of it, isn't he? Because that is what we're asking of a centre-forward these days. 
Yeah, you, you want someone and you look at the form that Martin Odegaard's been in and, and Bakayi Saka and Gabriel Martinelli have been in as well. You want someone to come in and do what Gabriel Jesus has been doing because otherwise you might be risking losing something from those other players as well. You can't just afford to, to have a player who plays. I think there, there's a there's a version of Eddie and Ketia that we all had in our heads before that run of form last season mm. uh, where he would kind of not be too involved and then he'd get on the end of something in the box. And then I think there's an Eddie and Ketia that we saw in, in March, April, May last season and a player who's developed that ability a little bit to hold the ball up, to drop into midfield and, and you know, not quite the same way that Gabriel Jesus does, but mm. get much more involved in the game before it reaches the final third or before it reaches the box. And like you said, there were, there were moments today in the, in the friendly. There was the, the third goal, which, I mean, if there's a goal that everybody's seen, I'm sure by now it, it'll be the third goal and yeah. the nice passing move that led to it from back to front. And there's a long ball there. There's a, there's a sort of a, you know, a situation where we've not really got space to play out from the back. So the ball goes long and it looks very similar to the way that Gabriel Jesus backs into defenders and holds the ball up before laying it off and, and turning and getting involved in the attack. I think it was a big problem we talked about so many times last season with Alex Lacazette. Is he'd maybe do one of that. He, he, he'd maybe he would sometimes hold the ball up and, and drop into midfield and combine. But then the ball would go out to the wing mm. and get forward and he wouldn't be on the end of anything in the box. Eddie Nketiah does have the the legs and the engine and the hunger, I think, as well, to do both parts. And then it's a question of how well he can do both parts together, uh, how well he can do the holding up and combining, and then how often he can do that and then put the the move to get into the box on the end of that as well. Because we know that he can do those those bits in the sort of the, the final 20, 30 yards of the pitch. And you just, again, today, he's, he's, he got a chance and he took it really calmly. We know that in front of goal, he's ice cold. So no worries on that front too much, I don't think. For him, on a personal level, kind of what you said about Mikel Arteta and does he want some sort of misfortune to strike England so that he gets Bakayi Saka back? There's an element, Eddie Nketiah's role at Arsenal, there's an element of like backup goalkeeper to it, where you just know you're not going to get in the team because the guy who's playing is mm. so good and obviously the first choice and, and has been playing so well. So you kind of just have to wait for an injury or a suspension and that chance. And, you know, he's got that chance now. And I think because January is just around the corner, I don't think there'll be any room for complacency. And, well, I'm Arsenal striker for the next three months now. If Eddie Nketiah doesn't play well, if he doesn't score in the next few games, then the noise through January, which I think is already going to be really, really loud mm. for Arsenal to add someone who could play up front, that noise is going to be deafening if we get halfway through January and Eddie Nketiah hasn't played too well and hasn't scored a goal and, and maybe we're struggling for goals as a team. Yeah. So this is, you know, he's he's probably got three or four games here. And you know, he said to judge him on on a run of games in the team before he got his run in the run in the team last season. He did, and then he performed. This season, he's had to wait for it again. And like you say, these these games aren't they're a little bit more competitive and a bit more serious than preseason. I think because you've been thrown straight back into the middle of a league season, and yeah. and not just we are, but all of our opponents are as well. Uh, you know, Leon, Milan, Juventus. We're not playing 
any you know we, we're not going to with all due respect we're not going to america and playing an mls side or or going to asia and playing like you know we've gone and played like a malaysian 11 before and stuff sure. like that in pre-season we're playing serious you know teams that play in europe we're playing the champions league or the europa league every season and they're all preparing for a restart just like we are so i think these games are going to be fairly serious and, and not just about getting some minutes in the legs and now Eddie Nketiah's got a little run of games before the competitive stuff starts again to find his rhythm and find his place in the team. So it's a massive, massive chance for him. And let's hope for all of our sakes he takes it. Sure, yeah. I mean, we, we need him. There's no two ways about it. Whatever people might think of Eddie Nketiah and his ability to deputise for Gabriel Jesus – He's the guy. He is what we've got right now. That doesn't mean we can't add more. I do think the point about scoring, if he doesn't score for a few games, is quite an interesting one because, (laughs) you know, Gabriel Jesus has gone 11 games, whatever it is, without scoring a goal, Um, which isn't to be critical. It's just a statement of fact. But he's got a supporting cast around him that, you know, he has helped make better, you know? So... The likes of Saka, the likes of Martinelli and their importance comes into play even more now because, you know, if Gabriel Jesus, for example, had got injured, this was a normal season, he got injured and the direct replacement is Eddie, he comes into a team that's functioning really well, you know? Mm-hmm. Instead, he's going to play for a team with not question marks over it, but question marks over who's going to be available, who's going to be fit, how how are they going to be feeling? You know, if they do come back from the World Cup, if Gabriel Martinelli comes back triumphant from Brazil, having won the final 4-0 against England, sorry, any England fans listening, but, you know, if he comes back, he's going to be on top of the world, whereas Bakayo Saka is not going to feel quite the same way. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe not even on top of the world. Uh, I mean, sure. To, to begin with, but and you mentioned in the blog again um, on on Thursday, right, about that Per Mertesacker thing, and he and he openly admitted that he found it so hard to be motivated the season after winning the World Cup. Even though, you know he won the World Cup and then he had a, a few weeks off and yeah. had a I don't know a month until the the new Arsenal season actually started, and it's the the absolute pinnacle of your footballing career. You win the World Cup with your country. And then I'm sure there is an element as well of finding it hard to refocus. Maybe players won't go through that because there's no time to even think about winning the World Cup and yeah. letting that settle. I was going to um, ask you, I mean, do you think that like in the, the build up to this tournament, I don't just mean at Arsenal, I just wonder if in in terms of the preparations, you know, at a club when they know players are going to go away, do you think part of the conversations that they will have had managers and coaches and all those kinds of things will be, you know, this is weird. We've never done this before. We've never had a world cup in the middle of a season. You're just going to have to go do this and prepare yourself to come back and basically go again at domestic level. So Mm -hmm. in that sense, the players maybe are, are ready for, the weirdness of like, oh, I've been at a tournament and now instead of going on my summer holidays, I'm going straight back to work and I'm going to training and, you know, going to play in a couple of weeks' time. So I do wonder if they're perhaps more prepared psychologically for that. Quite possibly, but I don't think you can just legislate for how people feel when it happens. Sure. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I saw quotes yesterday before they played, Man United played their first friendly yesterday. Uh, and I saw some quotes from Eric Ten Hag before, and, and he basically said, he, I think he was asked about when certain players are returning. And, and he said that everybody knows when they're supposed to be back. And it, it gave mm. me very much the impression that basically the players have been told, you get knocked out of the World Cup, you, you fly back immediately. Come home. No time off, nothing yeah. like that. Uh, and it and it seems it feels like Arsenal have done something similar anyway. When you when you see that Xhaka and, and Takeru Tomiyasu are expected to be back immediately, or or not even back, but in Dubai mm. to train with the team, and and Ten Hag basically was like the players, are, you know, they've been told we've got a job to do, and when the World Cup's over for you, the World Cup's over for you, and you come back and you get on with the job that we're doing here. The problem is you just don't know how players are going to feel, and and we saw that already with with Jacker and Tomiyasu, and they're they're very different reactions. Contrasting, to out. contrasting, aren't they? Like Shaka's right, like, like you couldn't be more different. Yeah, Shaka's like, well, that was a bit shit, disappointing. I'd rather we were there, but back to work I go. I'm, you know, we've got a season to play for. And you can you can really imagine Granite Shaka using it as fuel, right? Like, yeah, and, and I've got I want to go and win something with Arsenal now, and and forget about this World Cup completely, and yeah. just move on straight away, pack it in a box, and get on with the next one. But like Tom you say, Yasu. yeah, like you say, you you can't you can't legislate for how somebody feels uh, feels. And I was trying to think about Tommy Asu, you know, and and how he must be feeling because. When he's fit, he's an absolutely nailed-on starter for Japan. And he's gone to the World Cup three weeks after an injury that he picked up for us. Is he 100% fit? No, clearly he hasn't. He didn't start. He came on. Didn't start one of the other games. Came on. His first start was in the game that they lost. He referred to his own performance as a disaster. Um, I, I didn't think he was brilliant, but I, I didn't I think it was a disaster. All right, I thought yeah. he played all right, yeah. Uh, but you know, he's obviously got very high standards on a, on a personal level, and I just wonder, like, how is he feeling about that? Because this, like, this should have been a you know really enjoyable tournament from a Japan point of view. You know, you beat Spain, you beat Germany. Um, he must be thinking, you know, if I was fully fit, I could have helped. Yep. Did he push himself physically to get on the pitch? You know, how how is the injury now? We don't quite know. We'll maybe find out in due course when he plays for Arsenal or doesn't play for Arsenal in, in the coming weeks. And I can really understand how he, even with the best will in the world as a professional footballer, to say like, okay, well, you know, I've got to compartmentalize this. I've got a job to do. You know, this is my club. They pay my wages, all of that kind of stuff. But you can't stop your head talking to you you know what i mean um I, I do my best to block my my own uh, inner voice out as much as possible but it's not always <laughs> the they also left uh, like they must have left feeling so different uh like can really contrast emotions for granted jacka going back to arsenal now is like this this season's going incredibly mm. i'm people are singing my name I'm playing every single week. I'm scoring goals. I'm ha- I, he's having the time of his life. Mm. And now it's obviously shit to get knocked out of the World Cup. And that's horrible. And especially the way it happened for Switzerland. Yeah. But now he gets to go back to that environment that was so great for him for the past four months. Uh, Tommy Asu comes back to a team that was flying without him really playing. And yeah. he's had a few injuries and a, a bit of a stop-start season in that regard. Even when he's fit, is he going to get in the team? Maybe not. Only at left back when someone's out. Only at right back when Ben White's not available. So they've, they've both left Arsenal with such different 
experiences of the season so far. And, you know, I'm sure the way that the season's gone, it's been great for us. And I'm sure Tommy Asu is really happy that we're winning all these games. But I'm also sure that it means something a little bit different when you're a part of it every single week yeah. or when you've missed games through injury or you've not quite made it into the team. So, yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see how both of them do. And and, mm. and I have no doubt, really, that Granit Xhaka will be able to quite easily compartmentalise the World Cup and now get on with his job. Tomiyasu, obviously, the way that he's spoken and having had the issues that he's had for the se- uh, during the season so far, you're probably a little bit more wary of what kind of Takahiro Tomiyasu we're going to get back for the rest of the season. Yeah, and look, it's going to be down to Mikel Arteta's man management and how he deals with th- these guys. And, you know, he could be facing... You know, a, a disconsolate Bakayo Saka and a disconsolate Gabriel Martinelli. It's not beyond the realms of possibility that two of his most uh, important players are coming back from a tournament where, you know, they've endured something terrible or traumatic. Like, we've, Saka's done it before, as we know, mm-hmm. and has come back. And uh, I think it speaks volumes about him as a person, uh, as much as him as a player, as to how well... You know, he's coped with what happened in, in the final of Euro 2020. But, you know, you don't want to keep heaping that kind of stuff on a on a guy. At some point, it might just prove a little bit too much for him, you know. So I, I think it's I, – I do think it's fascinating that, you know, as a, as a fan base – and, you know, Arsenal fans won't be alone. Other team uh, supporters with, with players at this World Cup will be keeping everything crossed that their best player comes back from the tournament without an injury. We weren't so lucky, obviously, with with Gabriel Jesus. But the psychological aspect of what this tournament can do or could do to a player is something that, you know, they're they're obviously going to have to work on internally. Yeah, and then it's all the more important that we have not just... Eddie and Ketia getting these games and hopefully finding some form, but Reese Nelson and, and Fabio Vieira as well. Mm. We we could easily, you know, fitness, injuries, fatigue the players that have played a lot of time at this World Cup. Yeah. We could easily end up having to if we don't sign anyone in January, maybe the market's prohibitive. There's not money there. I don't know. Mm. We could end up with Reese Nelson needing to start ten Premier League games between now and the end of the season. I mean, we're not even halfway through the season yet. Yeah. We've that's played true. fourteen games. Um Reese Nelson could, it's you know within the quite reasonable realms of possibility. I think that he could end up playing some really important games between now and the end of the season. Now you look at him and you think, thank goodness he scored those couple of goals against Nottingham Forest, and you're not throwing in him, throwing him in now, just hoping that he finds some sort of form. But he's already delivered for the team in a moment when when he was thrown on and needed this mm-hmm. season, and we didn't know at the time if Saka was going to be available. For, for the Chelsea game after that. And we thought maybe Nelson would have to play. And he came on and scored a couple of goals. Fabio Vieira's had a few good moments this season. I, I just hope and I think the way that Nelson responded to, to Saka getting injured and taking that chance, the, the, the two chances against Forest, the way that Fabio Vieira's done a couple of times when he's come into the team, it's been a bit stop-start for all of them. Yeah. And, and especially the Europa League games when it has looked disjointed because it's been basically an entire new team on the pitch. But when they've come in just for one or two players, you know, Vieira at Brentford, Nelson against Forest, and they've been needed to slot into the Premier League team, they've done quite well. And hopefully those experiences reassure Mikel Arteta, but also especially reassure the players that they'll be fine to step up when they're needed. And I hope, 
like Nketiah, they're seeing this as a chance. They're, you know, Nelson's watching England, not just wanting England to win because he's English, but maybe wanting England to win, thinking uh, maybe then I get to start on Boxing Day and yeah, show yeah. what I can do. And then the same with Vieira and, and Gabriel Martinelli and, and Sackler as well. So I'm sure and I hope that those players are looking at this as an opportunity. And again, Vieira today, you know, Nelson looked sharp today. Vieira scored another screamer. And and Inketia was was pretty industrious and took his goal well. So it, it was against an awful Leon side, but it it bodes fairly well. As much as you can read into any of these kind of friendly games, sure. For what's to come in the next few weeks, and, and I think it's interesting. Mikel Arteta spoke about Fabio Vieira and talked about him being better in the second half of the season because he didn't really have a preseason. He arrived injured and he mm. didn't get a chance to, to to sort of settle in or, or build up his fitness and everything else. And, and maybe he might well be a guy who in the second half of this season is now more integrated, feels a little bit better. Like Emil, a new signing. Like a new signing, exactly. He is actually a new signing. So he's like a, a new, new signing, I guess. Um I'm just seeing some quotes here from Mikel Arteta on Emil Smith-Rowe as we're talking. Uh, Kaya Kainak um, says, Emil has been returned to training. That makes him sound like some kind of robot or something. I don't quite know, but he has been, been delivered. He's been delivered back to training. And he said he's in that process after a period with real discomfort. So we're giving him time. He's getting closer and closer. So hopefully he'll be ready soon. And, and you know, there's another guy who, because we've been winning, he's been a little bit out of sight, out of mind. But mm-hmm. he was our second highest goal scorer last season, Emil Smith-Rowe. So, you know, there's somebody who can add something if he can get fit and get himself match fit. Um, but obviously, obviously, the injury to Gabriel Jesus is a, a significant blow. Because not only does it rob us of one of our best players this season, a, a man like with massive experience at the top of the table at a time when we're top of the table. I, you know, I think that's worth noting because there is a pressure that comes with that. And he's been there, done that and worn that t-shirt, you know, plenty of times. And there's an issue of depth as well. You know, we've talked about Eddie, we've talked about how this is a chance for him. We've talked about how, you know, he could step up and he showed last season and, you know, like you and like everyone listening, I'm sure I hope he does. I hope he plays well and scores goals and, and everything else. But there's a depth issue now as well, isn't there? Because he is essentially the only striker that we have beyond Gabriel yeah. Jesus. So that is tightrope sort of-esque, if you like. That, yeah. you know, one knock for Eddie. Like he went down at one point in the, the Leon game <laughs> and he was lying in the box and I was thinking, oh, fuck. You know, and I I... I feel like whatever plan they have for January has to be informed now by the circumstance of yes. Jesus's injury, right? That maybe if you could give a cast iron guarantee that Eddie and Ketty would not get injured until such time as Gabriel Jesus returned fully fit you could make an argument about, well, you know, if we brought in a wide player and if we brought in a central midfield player, you know, we could probably have enough to get us through the period yeah, of like Jesus' maybe, maybe some games you put Martinelli up front yeah. and, you know, and Eddie can play most of the games and that kind of thing. Yeah, but I, 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 
I feel like it's not enough, and that's not to talk about Eddie as um, you know as a player or as his talent. I just feel like in terms of depth, when you're going for when you're in a title race, and we are, I guess, in a title race, um, we're five points clear at the top of the table. Albeit we haven't reached the halfway point of the season, but there's a lot of football to play in the next five months, you know? It's sort of mid-May when it finishes, so it's five and a bit months. There is Premier League, there's FA Cup, there's Europa League, and hopefully we continue to go the distance in the Europa League as well. How do you view January now and what is required? Do you think that if we did get that winger in and did get that central midfielder in, that that is sufficient to see us through or do the circumstances of this particular injury demand a different kind of a plan from, from Mikel Arteta and Edu? Yeah. I, I, I'm not convinced by the idea of, of playing Gabriel Martinelli up front for any extended period and relying on that. I think, you know, we talk about the team and and moving parts Mm. and if you put in Eddie for Gabriel Jesus, you could keep everything else as it was and, and it was all working and he can, you know, maybe he does some things not to the level. Maybe there are other things that he can do a little bit better than Gabriel Jesus when he's in front of goal. Uh, you maybe hope that he stays a bit cooler and, and finds the bottom corner instead of the goalkeeper with a couple of the chances that Jesus has had in the mm. last few games that we've played. So, you know, it, there are... I, I'm I'm fine with Eddie and Ketia playing a lot of football for, for Arsenal. I think he proved... the the last couple of months of last season that he's earned that chance and that when he was playing every week, I thought he was really, really good. Um, I think maybe you lose stuff, obviously, from Jesus' game. But I do also think if Eddie had played the last seven, eight games, then he would have got a few goals that Jesus didn't get. So maybe you lose a couple of goals from Erdegaard or from Saka, but you get a couple of goals from Eddie instead. So... If he's fit, I'm not too worried. But you don't have that cast iron guarantee that he's going to be fit. And even if he is, he cannot play every single game. Nobody can play every single game. Yeah. You, you know, you mentioned we're in the FA Cup. Hopefully, and we've got Oxford, uh, Oxford United in the third round. I think the fourth round is also going to be played before January's over. So you know, hopefully, we get through in the cup. But then there's there's two FA Cup games thrown into January, along with all of the Premier League games. Thank goodness we're not in that extra Europa League round uh, yeah. because we won the group. That would have been two extra games in, in February, but this way we're at least waiting until March to play in the Europa League. But when those games come around again, then it just continues two games a week. Mm-hmm. We've got you know, Manchester City coming up in, in February, now scheduled as another midweek game. These players, none of them can play twice a week, uh, you know, 90 minutes. If you're talking about what we need in January, well, we can't ask Gabriel Martinelli, especially after a World Cup as well, to play every single game. And if he's currently, I guess he would be the first alternative to, to Eddie Nketiah up front. Something happened to Eddie Nketiah if you needed to rotate and, and give him a break. But Martinelli's going to be playing on the left every week when is playing up front. So yeah. something's got to give at some point. For me, we've got to sign someone who can play as a centre forward. Uh, you know, with these long-term injuries, you never even know when Gabriel Jesus is actually going to be back. You know, people say three months, or you know, maybe he could be back a little bit quicker than that. But maybe it also takes longer. Maybe, maybe Touchwood. It's not the case, but maybe we don't see Gabriel Jesus again this season. Like it can happen, and, and it's happened to us 
more than enough times for us to know that. Mm. Then what do you do? For me, the problem obviously is what do you do with the player that you sign in January then when Gabriel Jesus is back? And that's why personally, I probably wouldn't go for an out-and-out striker, uh, a player that can only play as a number nine. I'd be more inclined to go with someone who could, you know, play in Saka's position or play in Martinelli's position and add depth. I mean, I think it's something we've talked about a little bit before, but you think about that Liverpool team and they had that very obvious front three of, of Mane, Firmino and Salah. And that's what we've got now. We've got a very obvious front three. And the fourth piece they added was Diogo Jota, who could fill in for any of those players in their positions. Mm. And, you know, it's it's a hell of an ask to find a player who is of the required standard and can play on the wing and play up front and do both jobs really, really well. But I hope that that's what they're going to try and do in January now because you you want a player that ideally can play with Gabriel Jesus when he's back, but is going to have to fill in for him now and and maybe at times in the future as well. Yeah, I mean, that's it. You know, the idea of just an out-and-out number nine who you sign for, you know, maybe three months. Like you say, it could be longer. I hope it's not. None of us uh, hope it's any longer than that. Um, But if you do sign that kind of out-and-out striker, then you've probably got an extra player who's going to end up being surplus to requirements. After they've just in the summer decided to give Eddie Nketiah, who only really plays in that position, a nice big contract. Well, that's it. I mean, that's part and parcel of it as well. And it's trying to figure out exactly how they do this. And I wonder, you know, there's people talking about Flo Balagoon, of course, who is on our books, who's on loan in France and is having a very good season there. You know, that's an option maybe that he's shown in those first six months in France that, you know, he can score goals and he's scoring goals for a team that doesn't really create uh, a lot of chances. You know, it's a, a solidly lower mid table team. Yeah. There's, there was something I don't, I don't have it in front of me, but there was, it was something I saw right before the break that he had sort of 60% of their goals had been scored or assisted by him uh, at this point in the wow. season. So, Wow. Yeah, so fifty or sixty percent, something like that. But you know? but I, I guess the thing that they have to consider then is like he's coming back maybe to sort of share the burden with Eddie and Kedia. Then when you know when Gabriel Jesus makes his miracle return after two months, um, you know what happens to the rest of his season because this is also an important season for him as an individual uh, from a developmental point of view as well. So, you know, that's something that they're going to have to, to try and take and, and, into account. And is he ready? And is he ready yeah. to come and play, you know, a lot of important Premier League games possibly for Arsenal? Well, I mean, the thing as well is, is he ready to play in the system that Mikel Arteta is, mm. is implementing? Like Eddie and Kedia trains it every day and has been training it every day for the last X amount of time, you know, and, and knowing he's kind of like the understudy. And he's got to come in and do what, what, what Gabriel Jesus does. I think, you know, Eddie's a bit more experienced than Flo Balagoon. I mean, it is an option if we can't find the player we want, the sort of um, one-size-fits-all, the sort of travel adapter player, if you like. Um, you know, if we can't get that guy, then maybe that becomes an option. The other thing I'm thinking, and I, you know, I don't know if this is just pop psychology or whatever it might be, but... Like within the Arsenal squad itself, there must be like a oh, fuck, you know, not 
publicly, not outwardly. I saw Granite Xhaka talk about Eddie in glowing terms and, you know, how they've got to support him and they've got to give him the chances and all those kinds of things. But, you know, as a footballer, you know when a player is important to your team. And I just wonder if doing something in January might soften the psychological blow that some of them i'm not saying that you should make decisions because like if they did something early we as fans would certainly feel better right but then we feel better you know they could bring out a new signing every day and we'd be like yay a new (laughs) signing but you know for the players themselves as they go into this period you know when you you look at the the fixtures of west ham it's brighton we've got man united we've got newcastle you know this is a blow to lose Gabriel Jesus. It's a real blow to lose a player as important as him. I just wonder for the for the group, if you like, if when Mikel Arteta and Edu were in the U.S. last week with Stan and Josh and Tim Lewis, you know, is part of the conversation about like, okay, this is bad, but let's respond quickly. Let's show what we can do. Let's show how serious we are about what we've got going this season and and how quickly they bring somebody in might well be a factor as well. I I think there's that. And I think there's an element of the the, the title race that everybody's afraid to talk about. And especially now Gabriel Jesus is gone. Um, I think, you know, I think the, the vast, vast, vast majority of us would all put our hands up and say, to be in a title race, we need everything to go perfectly. And now we've lost our striker for three months, probably. Mm. So that's not everything going perfectly. No, and that not. might be that title shot straight out the window before we've even reached the halfway point of the season. But we're still five points clear of Manchester City. And who knows when that's going to happen again? You know, mm. this team is going to get better. I, I believe that. You look at the age of the players, you look at you know, Martinelli. 12 months ago, wasn't even playing every week. Uh, Bakayo Saka has, has been in the team for a bit longer than that and has just got better and better and better. And Martin Odegaard has been fantastic so far this season. But the ages of the players, those key players, the defence, Saliba, Gabriel, this is the first few months they've ever played together, which mm. is sort of unbelievable. Ben White's playing in a, a position that was a bit unfamiliar. Zinchenko's new to the team. Considering all of those things, the way these players have been playing is amazing. But to win as many games of, as we've won at this stage of the season, we could have a much better team and not pick up this many points. If you just take points on the board and mm. look at the table and say five points clear, and we've not played City yet and we play them at home before we play them away, that you have to be looking at this, I think. And and I'm sure, and I hope that was part of that conversation with, with the Cronkies and with Tim Lewis, that this might be an opportunity that might not come around again for a few years to, you know, not necessarily to win the league, but to have an, a massive, massive stab at it and really push and go for it. The thing is that conversation was had last year uh, amongst the fan base. In about getting into about the top four. League. Yeah. I mean, it's slightly different. It's slightly more serious. The stakes are higher. If you like, you know, I think you much, could, much higher. Yeah, I think you could say about last season, you know, you could see that progress was being made, but there's there's been a a jump forward now, which might well change but what what you think you can do in a, in in that time period, right? I'm not I'm not saying they 
that they wouldn't want to spend money and they wouldn't want to back the manager. Um, and and to be fair, over the last few windows, a lot of money has been spent and, and the manager and the Edu, they've been backed fully. But there could be a part of them that says, well, we didn't do it last season and look where we are now. It's worked out fantastically anyway. So are we sure that opportunity won't come around again? Yeah. yeah, I have the same reaction as you have as as it as those words leave my mouth. But I'm just uh I don't know, maybe protecting myself from from the disappointment already. But I do wonder if not acting if the, the start to this season has almost justified not acting in January and mm. sticking to the policy of only going after the right players when they're available at the right times for the right prices and we know January's notoriously difficult for finding those players at those prices. I mean, if they have got, you know, yeah, if they do have a plan for January, like let's say pre-Jesus, they had a plan for what they wanted to do. And there's all the talk about uh, Mudrick and uh, central midfielder. I think Danilo has been mentioned in dispatches again and again and again, that if that's their plan, and they've identified players as the right players, and they feel like they can get them in January, is there an argument that they should stick to the plan because that in itself will augment, improve the squad to a certain degree, even if we don't quite have what we had up front and that player then, like, do you, do you like, throw everything in the bin just to say, well, gee, fuck, fuck, he's out. <laughs> what are we going to do? Like, forget that. Just tear everything up. Let's do something else. Like, if that plan has been in place for weeks or months or whatever it might be, do you get sidetracked by this injury, even if it is one that I, I think personally demands very, very close consideration, whether that's a signing or a loan player or whatever it is, you know, it, it's, as we said earlier, the, the issue isn't just the fact that there is a gap in quality between Eddie and, and Gabriel Jesus. It's that it's only Eddie really, you know, unless he's like, let's make it Arteta sitting there, you know, rubbing his hands together and going, now I'll get Smith Rowe as the false nine. Possibly. No, I, I you know. wouldn't rule it out. No. I definitely wouldn't rule it out. Uh, and, and I wouldn't rule out Martinelli either. And I think then that's the, we know in the summer they wanted to sign a wide player. And the, the Jesus injury has got to come into their thinking now. But maybe it doesn't come into their thinking, as you say. And maybe it doesn't come into their thinking in a way that means, right, now we change and we sign somebody completely different. Mm. Maybe they still just sign the wire player they wanted to sign anyway. And the idea is that Martinelli becomes the, the backup striker, if you like, or, or competes with Eddie to be the first choice number nine, maybe for, for as long as Jesus is out for. I think, you know, there is... We know they wanted to sign a wide player... Mm. And everything we've seen from this Arsenal the, over the last 24 months or so has been that when there's a plan, they stick to the plan. So, you know, I, I don't think it's a, it'll be a case of signing, signing someone when they had no plans to sign anybody. But I do think you're right. I do think there'll be, there's a very high possibility that they, maybe they spend a bit more than they wanted to now. Maybe they do something for more money that they were hoping to do in the summer instead. Mm -hmm. 
for maybe a bit less money. I'd be surprised if they didn't. I'd be stunned if they did nothing. Same. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure they'll do something. Uh, it it just might not be that player that maybe we want that can also play up front. And it might be Gabriel Martinelli or it might be at times Emil Smith-Rowe playing up front instead. I mean, well, everybody's mind will go back to Villarreal. Yeah. Right? Like, we played Emil Smith-Rowe up front at Villarreal and we were rubbish. Mm. But we were rubbish anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it was. Yeah, I don't think it was Smith Rowe at at false nine that made us rubbish. Yeah, like that experiment failed that night. Yeah, but but all of the other moving parts were were bad, and I think it would be a very different experiment uh, and and worth you know trying again now that the rest of the team is good and that we we've got a midfield that we like and we've got two wide players that we like. It would be a very different. Uh, experiment this time around I think it, yeah. even if it didn't work it, it would maybe be worth trying again yeah I mean I, I, the thing is I think we need the wide player anyway you know regardless yeah. of the injury to Jesus we still need that wide player uh, to build the squad out you know and you mentioned Reese Nelson I think he will probably leave at the end of the season but you know you you I think we've got to we've got to seriously consider just sticking to whatever plan we have. And if you can if you can find the player who can replace Jesus or, or give you more depth in that position, then do it as well. But you know, how how capable we are of doing that, um we'll have to wait and see. Just final quote here from Mikel Arteta about squad depth. He's talking after the game against Leon uh, in Dubai. He says, I feel like my squad is really good. Unfortunately, we have had injuries and we will try to see what we can do to be strong. We have players. We have a lot of accompanying players. The question is, do we have the players that can give us the performances and the consistency that we need to maintain and improve from where we are? So we we have players. Then we also have players that aren't good enough. And are they good enough, essentially? I mean, that's pretty much what he's saying. You know, in as much as you ever get anything from Mikel Arteta in in transfer terms or injury terms or, Christ, I wouldn't even ask him the time of day and give you some kind of vague answer. Well, we'll see what time it is a bit later on and then, yeah. You wouldn't like to be, uh, you wouldn't like to be, I don't know, Sampi Lokonga and Cedric Suarez hearing we have accompanying players, would you? Uh, you know, Reese Nelson. It, it doesn't. It doesn't suggest there's that much faith that they can deliver when called upon. Yeah, I think I've seen another version of that quote though, where he says we have a lot of academy players. Uh, okay. So that might make um, yeah, more sense. Um, and by the way, I'm reading this from Arsenal.com. So this is what they've said. Um, so we'll have to wait and see if, if that gets corrected along the way. That might make a bit more sense if he says we yeah. have a lot of academy players. That would make more sense. But, Lewis, do we have the players that can give us the performances and the con- uh, consistency that we need to maintain and improve from where we are? Under contract, yeah. Can they play? We'll have to but, see. That's, that's the thing, right? Like, it's we, we have those players. We've seen that we have those players. Do we have enough of them? Yeah. Are they available um, right now? Not right now, yeah. there's You're a couple short mm. at the moment. Mm. All right. Well, look, we'll wait and see. January is just around the corner. I was going to talk a little bit of World Cup, but uh, I'm afraid of getting a solicitor's letter from high-powered lawyers, Elliot Smith & Smith Company. <laughs> so we, we'll leave it there. And we've been waffling for long enough. I've taken up far too much of your time. Anyway, Lewis, thanks very much. Thank you, Andrew. Always a pleasure. 
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. Thank you very much indeed to Lewis. You can find him on Twitter. He is at LG Ambrose, at LG Ambrose. And we talk to Lewis every week when the Premier League is on. We preview every game for our Patreon members. If you want to sign up, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash arseblog. Final, final, final plug for the Goodly Morning Mugs. We are going to make our donation to Great Ormond Street Hospital and Our Lady's Hospital for Sick Children here in Dublin. We're going to do that in about a week, a little over a week's time. So we've got about a week left to get the mugs and to make sure that the uh, the money goes to these fantastic causes. You will find a link to the mugs in the show notes, click it on the app or just visit arsblog.com. Look at the post with today's Arsecast and you will find the link to the mugs in there. Thank you all so much uh, for your support thus far. Huge amount of mugs sold. Lots of tea and coffee and other beverages being drunk out of these fantastic receptacles. We had a great one on our, our Discord. Um, I won't say the name just in case it gets anyone into trouble, but the message was, my Spurs mate turned 30 today and his boss got him a goodly morning mug. So they're out there doing the Lord's work, as well as raising uh, lots of funds for, <laughs> for children's hospitals. So there you go. Well done, everyone. Thank you very much indeed. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show. James and I will be here probably Sunday, I think, with an Arsecast Extra. Not 100%. I'll check in with him and uh, I'll let you know on Twitter. For now, though, have a great weekend. If your country is in the World Cup, best of luck to you. And commiserations in advance for those of you whose quarterfinals don't go the way that you would have liked. Right, let's leave it there. Until the next one, take it easy, folks. Cheers. Bye-bye. Welcome back to Holy God FM Live. And as you can hear, we're coming direct from the cathedral this evening. And it is a special time of the year. It's the time of year when we think about Jesus. 
we think about all that Jesus did for us, the sacrifices that he made willingly to free us of our sins and of Alexandra Lacazette. But now, Jesus is gone. And like many of you, I turned to prayer. I took a moment and I asked God, God, why would you do that to Gabrielle and leave Harry Kane completely and utterly unaffected by plague or at least something that makes him spend about three weeks on the toilet? But God, much like Bono, moves in mysterious ways. And all we can do now is say, Hail Eddie, full of pace. Blessed art thou among strikers, and blessed be the 14 or so goals that we're going to need you to score until such time as Gabriel Jesus is fit again. Amen. Now it's time for a bit of music. Get up out of your pews and get going to the red-hot sound of Dex's Midnight Runners. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Gino. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.